Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the Nonprofit Exchange. Today, we're talking about that topic um, we call marketing. And marketing is, is, the older I get, the more complex it gets, but the more important it gets. And it's an area that we do not regard with enough importance, those of us that run nonprofit organizations. So, Russell, how are you doing today? Beautiful day out here in, in Denver, Colorado, partly cloudy. And uh, there's lots of activity taking place out here. We've got folks uh, that I've been talking to who are running nonprofits and are struggling to get the word out on what they're doing. And it's hard to get support if nobody knows what you're doing. So I'm glad that Clark is out here, to, is here to share with us some ways to increase that visibility. That's what it's all about, isn't it, Clark? Yeah, that's that's right. Well, that sounds nice. It's uh, we're out here in Virginia, so uh, I wish I, I wish I was in a little bit cooler spot right now. Well, we were out on the Parkway night before last, and it was in the fifties, mid fifties, and it was just luscious. So, Clark, we like to um, impose upon our guests to t- define who they are. Tell a little bit about yourself. You know, you have you have this organization that you run um, to do marketing specifically targeted to nonprofits. You yes. and I, however, met in one of those nonprofits where you serve as on the, on the board. You and I met there, and we started conversations, which led to this interview. And so talk about yourself and what's led you to this place to do this very specific thing that you do for nonprofits. Okay. Uh, try to keep it. This is like the, uh, the digest uh, size of this instead of like a full story on this. Uh, but uh, I actually started out in radio when I was in high school. Uh, just, it just clicked with me to do communication and uh, spent several years in radio and did radio news. And um, ended up ultimately picking up a graduate degree in broadcast journalism from a big university on the West Coast. And uh, ended up working in uh, corporate communications, advertising, public relations, marketing communication, organizational communication, different types of organizations, both for-profit and non-profit. And um, about 20 years ago, I started teaching higher education. So uh, that's kind of my full-time gig is uh, teaching in uh, in a university. And um, But uh, I've always liked to do things for organizations. And uh, when my wife and I moved to uh, this area, I said, uh, I wonder if the uh, the, uh, orchestra, the symphony orchestra, uh, does anything with communication or marketing comms. So we went to a couple of concerts, made some connections, and, uh, and so that's where I kind of am today. Love it, love it. And it took me only a couple of conversations to uh, determine that you had a very unique perspective on marketing. And um, so what's the name of your organization? Yeah, I just, uh, something that is uh, not real creative, but it's Clark Greer Communications. So <laughs> it was easy to come up with it. And then I could put my name out there and it's easy to uh, to remember that. For me too, as I get older, you know, then I remember what the name of the company is a lot easier. 
Yeah. You're, um, a, you're a professor. You teach communications. You've had. I, a- I do. I do. Uh, I've taught. Uh, I taught for about 20 years in uh, three different institutions in the country. Uh, I've taught uh, things from interactive media when the web was just getting going back in the uh, 90s, uh, and have taught public relations and strategic communication and television news. So a little bit, a little bit of everything. And you, um, we're going to explore this. Um, in the interview at some point, but where I, I had a pivot in my understanding of how you construct campaigns to let people know about the organization, like we're specifically focused on the Lynchburg Symphony Orchestra right. at yep. the moment. And when I moved here, people said, oh, we have an orchestra? Mm-hmm. And so there was big gap in, in awareness, even though the orchestra has paid for ads and they have a Facebook page and all the things we customarily do, there's a large portion of the uh, community that didn't know about it. And you were interviewing me about strategy. And I had right. just recently done the first planning session for the board for mm-hmm. the symphony. And um, so you interviewed me and you said, I want to give value to others in the, the, our newsletter and the publicity. We want to give value to others. So speak to that element a minute. We'll unpack that throughout the, uh, the interview because that's a very unique perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the temptation is in uh, you know, marketing, communication or PR, whatever we're doing now in these areas uh, to make connections with our constituents or followers. Uh, in the case of the symphony or other performance organizations, it's going to be people attending or donating. So organizations all have different types of needs. And I think one of the things that it's, uh, I guess the temptation is we're going to advertise it and we're going to say, here we are, come to whatever or donate. If it's a nonprofit that does uh, construction in a community for a building or whatever, it's kind of come and see us. But I, I think what's really important is to help the organization to be relevant to the people that they're trying to reach. And, uh, and so that's what we're, we're trying to do in different ways. Obviously, a lot of it's promotion because we're trying to have everybody in this area know who the Lynchburg Symphony Orchestra is. That's, a, that's really a big chore because uh, it isn't just the community, but there's around, surrounding communities. So there's a lot of things that we have to deal with, but we're trying to give value back to people. So instead of just saying, come to our concerts, it's how can we serve you as a community and an organization? What are the things that you need that we can help you to get better at? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's such a different perspective. And, you know, instead of us, and it's, here's a mistake I see commonly in social media, buy my stuff, get my program, let me coach you. They're pushing their stuff rather than saying, how can I provide value? How can I give you value? And then what is it you need? Having a conversation. One of the um, points that Russell commonly brings up is when we're interviewing people as donors or board members, find out what their passion is, find out what they want to do. And so when you said, I want to, create articles like this about strategy, we actually teach people why it's important. And and I would say, Russell, you may have a number on this. I would say that 90% of the nonprofits that I talk to have no strategic plan. What is your number, Russell? Well, it's probably, well, it may be higher than that. As frightening as that seems because, you know, about 82% of these organizations eventually go under. So it's really, uh, it's really a system. It's who do you know? What what are you bringing? To it's about the cause we're working toward. 
and that's the the place where people get disconnected you know where are people at you've got to meet the people you want to support mm. you where they are so your messages have to be placed in the right places as well so if you're not conversing with people where they are and talking to them about what matters you become part of the greater uh um chorus of noise that that's out there so there's some obstacles here for that that big piece of noise is that there's so many messages people get every day but but um clark we we now have a strategy that we're working on we'll be doing the first level of clarity at the board meeting in a couple of weeks for the symphony that gives you a foundational document to then work from to do some messaging so Strategy is important for your work as well, isn't it? Yeah. So um, let me just take uh, like 60 seconds and I can uh, uh, talk about kind of where we've come the last year with the symphony a little bit. Uh, that might help provide uh, some context for uh, people uh, listening or watching uh, right now is uh, we did uh, uh, actually a survey of uh, uh, the, uh, the, not really blank the area with the survey, but we really wanted to get a sense of who the people were, the characteristics of the people who were attending the concerts. So uh, using the, uh, the, the symphony's mail list, we did a mail-out survey, they filled the things out, we did some number crunching, it gave us a better idea about perspective. So we really had to understand where they were coming from. And then uh, more recently, you have uh, jumped in with... Uh, being able to look at the overall strategy, where's the organization heading, and then paralleling that, and I know you and I have had conversations, and it, it has helped to be on the board to, uh, to get some other input, uh, but to look at it from a communications standpoint, so everything's parallel, because what, what I'm trying to do from a communication perspective really needs to very tightly fit with what's happening as far as the organization direction, financial uh, attendance, programming, everything that goes into what a performance organization does. It's, um, it, there are people who think that symphonies are dead and I'm finding there's a real resurgence in uh, people yeah. coming back to church, people coming back to arts events, people wanting to find meaning in their lives. So there's, there's a, there's a surface aspect to the performing organization, isn't there? Yeah, and uh, uh, when I was doing some initial research, I really wanted to see what the tone was for usually the classical arts is what people think of symphony. It doesn't have to be. Uh, there are small to large orchestras in the country that are doing both pops and they're doing mixtures and they're doing some very interactive types of things. I think it's just staying relevant and I'm not sure if that's the re necessarily the reason why, because you still have age segments that you deal with. It tends to be an older uh, population, which I guess I'm now part of. But uh, you always think about, hey, I still think I'm 28 years old. But uh, I mean, really, that's the, the case. So when my my wife and I, we, we love music. And uh, and so she's uh, involved with the uh, symphony also. And um but we've, we've been, we go to symphonies and we lived in a, uh, a city in another part of the, uh, the country uh, several years ago. And we had season tickets and we would go and we'd look around and we'd say, well, we do see some young people, but it's like people bringing their grandkids. So you really have to think long term about how can you kind of morph into something 
that doesn't sacrifice your principles as an organization. And I think music, classical music, and what orchestras do is as much education as it is entertaining people. And I think how do you stay relevant in those things is really uh, what's important. And bringing in younger people, and I say younger, I'm not talking about necessarily kids, but talking about a little bit younger, maybe middle-aged population who uh, would really become interested in the, in the uh, orchestras for maybe different types of reasons. And, and there is interest there. Um, I, I went to, to dinner with some people I didn't know and sat at the end of the table with people I just met. One's a filmmaker out at Liberty and in the cinema department from, came from the BBC, really high level filmmaker. On the other side of me was a young photographer, a friend of our <clears throat> former board, board member and photographer, Michael. And he's, and his wife was a school, um, elementary school musician teacher. And she said, oh, we would love to have more interaction with the symphony. We would love for the kids to know more about it because they're just, they're eager for that kind of connection. And, and that's part of what we, we are putting into place with the strategy for the symphony is how do we go back to the fundamental programs that people think we can't afford to do anymore, but we really can't afford not to do yeah. them anymore. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and if you look at, of course, uh, one of the things that I have dealt with in teaching my students and when I work with organizations or individuals even sometimes, um, uh, and, and like you say, I typically deal with nonprofits, uh, is uh, what is the primary age segment that, you're, that you really feel like this is the group that we want to work with? And then you look at kind of the fringe areas. So if you have people who are, let's say, 45 to 55, there's some characteristics. Um, like longevity in an area and ability maybe to sponsor or donate or interest in the arts and find out where they're coming from. They also have children. And so one of the things that the Lynchburg symphony does, and they've been doing this for a while uh, through some very generous funding of, uh, of, of some foundations is uh, to do music in the school or musicians in the schools. And so I think what you can do is you're not necessarily ignoring other age groups, older and younger, what you're doing is you have a core group and then you find ways of branching out to them through family members and, and those types of things. Well, underlying this marketing thing, there's your expertise in your, your teaching of communications and Russell and I work with nonprofits. We worked with them for a number of years and I don't know about you, Russ, but in 31 years, it, there's never been a circumstance where communication as a problem hasn't come up. You know, hmm. People think communication is an it. It's a it's a an, an announcement in the church bulletin, or it's a flyer. And really, communication is the byproduct of your your plan. You know what to communicate, but you've got a system to communicate. But what I see happen over and over again when I do strategies with boards is there is what I've called a new architecture of engagement. People develop a new kind of relationship. So let me test this this piece with you. My take on communication is it's it, the foundation is in relationship. Then you can transfer information. Otherwise tra information doesn't transfer from one person to another. So kind of talk about communication as the, the sub, the overarching thing of marketing and all of what we're doing here. So is that going to me or Russell? That's for you. Russell, he'll come in. He'll give oh, you okay. a little <laughs> All right. Right. Um, yeah, so uh, communication is really important, uh, not just because I work in it. Uh, 
uh, obviously I'm a little biased and I think communication is important, but um, I, I, when I worked in corporate years ago, uh, I would look around, uh, not necessarily the, the organizations I worked at, but I would get information and I was, I subscribed to some newsletters and things. And I, I'd see in the news where an organization or a company would cut back its public relations or its community relations or whatever it happened to have been in the area. uh, Because they thought that that was expendable and they didn't really need, they didn't really need it. Uh, The problem is uh, people have to know that you're there all the time. And in advertising, you know, it's top of mind awareness. And you go to the grocery store, you see things all the time. And there are companies that you see advertising and you say, well, they've been around for decades and they, you know, they're pretty, you know, stable from an economic standpoint. Why do they advertise? It's because there's always competition. And even in what we're doing in nonprofits is you have a lot of things that are competing for donor dollars, for sponsorship, for organizations that have foundations and uh, I think you have to show yourself as vital and relevant in that community. Uh, we're, just dealing with, we're just dealing with things on a different level. Uh, it all comes down to the sustainability of the organization. Yeah, there's a lot of little tidbits on what you just said. So, Russell, what are you hearing here? And you, are you, I know you're formulating – Russell gives the real hard questions here. You're formulating some, some stuff for him to comment on. I just – I just demonstrated poor communication when he didn't know the question was for him. Just you know, sacrifice myself for the mission here. What so Russell, well, what are you, what are you taking in there? And you probably got some sound bites that you want to play back. Well, you know, communication starts with how you talk to each other at the boardroom table. Cause that kind of spreads. It kind of fans out from there uh, as a nonprofit organization and, Uh, It's really easy to kind of get stuck in the room and forget that the message has to fan out. You know, there's a different, there's a slightly different language you use for potential board members or advisors than you use for volunteers or donors or everybody's kind of got their same, a, a different language for the same message. So communication takes a lot of work in that regard. The one thing that was kind of bouncing around through my mind as we were unpacking that, I was thinking about uh, both of you starting to work with the Lynchburg Symphony and and, uh, starting to put the strategy and the pieces together. What's one thing you you found out that was most surprising about uh, what did you learn uh, that they were not doing that everybody missed? Uh, it, it's kind of hard to put it on uh, to, to one, one thing. Uh, so I, I guess what my goal is when I look at this is, uh, and I think, uh, Hugh just alluded that a few minutes ago is you show up and you say, Oh, really? We have a symphony here in this town. So one of my goals is I want everybody to know the symphony is here. And that takes the place of what well, we call it integrated marketing communication. And it used to be, I'll, I'll just kind of, maybe structured a little bit very briefly. Uh, years ago, you'd have advertising, public relations, marketing, communication. They really operated in silos. And the last few years, it's come together under IMC. And so, because a company may sell a product, and at the same time, they have to deal with public relations. What is your attitude toward that? What are you saying? Um, the same thing would be true for uh, nonprofits like the Symphony. And uh, you, have, you have to uh, approach people at different levels 
different ways multiple times. And so we use a mix of traditional media. So we do things like direct mail. Um, we do a lot of things digitally. We're doing more with social media. Uh, we, uh, we do a lot on, on Facebook. Uh, we're doing uh, some more things with other types of social media um, that I think will help. Uh, it's just a building process. That's that you can't do everything all at once. You've got to do it. And it has to be very strategic. So I don't want you to just jump on and say, hey, let's try this. So the things that we're doing today, communicating the orchestra, is really, all right, over, over the next year, here's what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. So I have a big plan of the major things that usually revolve around concerts, but they can't just do that because you can't do a concert and then people forget about you. So we find ways of in, encouraging people to stay connected. We're doing some really interesting things, and uh, I have something that's going to actually be coming out this week. Um, I, I kind of I'm a little off the wall sometimes <laughs> thinking about ideas. <laughs> I try to do something that's fun. And uh, we found that uh, we found that we were doing some testimonial videos of uh, community leaders and we had one that had over 2000 views, uh, you know, and people love to look at videos. We, we know that from research. It's just, we, you, know, you can, you can see what the status is where organizations use social media and even like webisodes and things like that. People love video. So we're going to do something that's, uh, that's a little bit uh, different that will be starting this week and it will lead into something for next month that does, uh, actually we personified my tuba and we're going to be doing a little episodes with him and then do some interaction. One of the things that we noticed, because you were talking about, okay, where do you start? What are some things that are gaps? One of the things is we can have followers. We don't do too poorly on, on followers and some of our social media. And we want to increase that, of course. But we want interaction and we want engagement where instead of people just looking at something, we want people to come back and look at it repeatedly and we want them to tell their friends and connect with their friends. So now that that's how it spreads out exactly what you were talking about. So, so um, a lot of themes came out there. Um, contrast the difference between marketing and PR. Okay. All right. So it depends uh, how you look at marketing, uh, pure marketing with a lot of its business. So it deals with uh, pricing, product distribution, product uh, development based on what a particular area needs. So the idea of a market is usually where, uh, where a company is, where it could be a fast food place or anybody who's selling something, the market is the area in which they sell those products or provide those services. And then you have market trends, which are a little bit broader. So a lot of that is uh, really dealing with kind of the business side of it. How much do things cost over time? What are people using? They're really product service based. And if we have market, marketing people are watching this, they might say, well, that's not purely it. But I think that, that kind of gives us that idea. So um, public relations is trying to develop relationships with your constituents. It could be customers, it could be attendees, it could be donors, like Russell was talking about, it could be volunteers doing things. You have, and it really Russell hits, hits now running ahead talking about, you have the central message, but you communicate it in different ways through different avenues to, to those different constituents. That's, that's exactly what it is. So for public relations is you want to have things that are ongoing relationships where people rely on you to provide them with things in the community. Uh, an orchestra is more than just kind of the concert. It's what are we doing? Um, we're starting, I guess I can 
talk about it. We really, we're just now getting out. We're going to be starting a, uh, like an instrument program. People, we're hoping that, that people in the community will donate instruments that have been in the closet for or the attic for years that maybe their kid or they play, they don't play anymore. You know, there's some kids in our community, there's kids in every community who would love to get involved in music. So we are just at the beginning phases this month to do some information. Next month we're going to uh, do basically the campaign in conjunction with back, National Back to School Month. So we try to find some themes that we can really wrap our uh, promotions around. And that's one thing that will be coming up that our community will be hearing about here in the next few weeks. We, um, we got a new logo for the symphony, and they think that's the brand, uh, like most organizations. That's, that's, the, that's the image that, that right. attracts people's attention. But underneath that, there's the, really the statement of the brand image. Who are we? And yeah. the brand promise. What, what is it you get? Those are part important part of your marketing, aren't they? Sure. Um, the um, the logo when people see it, they they're they're going to think things of it. In fact, uh, when I teach these, we teach things about image development and maintenance and those things. I'll go and I'll put up images up on the screen and I'll say, okay, tell me what you think of this. And I always pick a variety of things that I know what their response is going to be because I read the news. And I know what people's attitudes are toward uh, certain types of companies and organizations. So I put those up and I say, well, what do you think? And I say, okay, here's the thing. That's the logo or that's, that's really represents the brand. What is behind it? Who is it? What are their products like? What is the quality? What kind of services do you get? Those are really like the marketing, the tangible, and sometimes intangibles like your attitudes and so forth. But uh, that really what it stands for. So when you see a logo, you have, and you attach everything to it, you have to make sure that you are maintaining the identity of what stands behind it. And so that's where your public relations come in. When people see it, do they have a good opinion, bad opinion? What do they think? If they look at something, they say, wow, that's a wonderful organization. Good. Now what that does is that tells people this is what this brand is all about. And, and that's just an identity piece, but it does represent what that organization stands for. Well, and, and to have all the stakeholders understand that because all of your team members are parts of your brand. They represent your brand. Mm -hmm. They do. And we've seen major companies, um, um, airlines particular that, that one of their employees is, is guilty of brand slaughter. You drag somebody off an airline. (laughs) Oh boy. It's just immense damage to the brand. Yeah. Yeah. We, we use those as examples uh, when we talk about crisis communication. So I say, okay, here's this happened. Now, how do you deal with it? And, uh, and I say, how many of you would like to be, I ask my students, how many of you would like to be the public relations director for this company now? Nobody <laughs> wants to do it. So, you know, here's the thing with crisis organizations at some point are going to have, hopefully they're just problems and not a crisis. If it's a crisis, now you're talking about a whole different thing. There are things that are difficult situations that company and organizations get into. Crisis it's a whole different ballgame. It's just like stuff you're talking about. Uh, what happens with, if you have good relationships with your constituents, when something, if something comes up or when it comes up, is that if you already have a positive image and relationship with your constituents, it's much easier to go in if the organization handles things the way they should and say, hey, this is an issue. We're going to fix it right now. And we've seen in history, there are good and bad examples of that. And so that's why uh, company organizations and companies have to think broadly about when I have an employee out there, they really represent who this company is. 
And I tell my, I even tell students that, you know, when you do an internship from this institution, is that when you're out there doing an internship, you're not just doing an internship. Or when you get a job because the person knows that hired you, and obviously they know where you went to school. And I said, do you realize you represent them? And so when you do an internship someplace, it's, you got to think about, I'm not just here doing a job for me. I'm here really, they're not really there on the auspices of the institution. Or if it's an organization, somebody who's doing fundraising or development, it's maybe the relationship's a little different than an employee. But still, people know that you're attached to that organization and how you handle yourself and you respond to situations and, and things is really crucial. Well, it, what, what it opens up for me is there, we think of marketing only as external. And I'm thinking that, that we have a lot of nonprofits where the boards aren't in, as engaged as, as they want to be, as the leader wants them to be. And plus, we're not fully in tune with those, those rubrics you were talking about. What do we stand for? What's our brand promise? How do we, how do we make decisions? How do we come together and represent the, the organization and the community? So there is a piece internally. And, and Russell, you and I have worked with a number of organizations. And actually, in your 11 years working for the, uh, the reservation, you got a different chief. And was there re-identifying some of the, some of these anchor um, brand identity pieces with the new leader? And how did you adjust to that? How did, how did, how did the people inside get informed of what that was? Well, you know, the tribal council meetings were open to everyone and, you know, different, uh, different groups uh, on tribal council and different chiefs had different priorities. Uh, so the key for me was to really be, uh, and I learned a lot, uh, be familiar with, with the overall culture and the history and to keep my eye on the things that were most important for the people in the community to provide them the best service I could possibly give them. And so there were, there were key needs that people had uh, as far as services, uh, whether that was utility services, education, housing, had to keep my eye on the big things, provide affordable housing, uh, make sure people had access to education, make sure that they had good access to health care through our health clinics, uh, make sure that our facilities for cultural purposes were in good shape. And so it's really keeping a focus on what the people in the community need. And this is the challenge that leadership is up against. It's about the people that you serve. And this is how I was able to keep my wits about me uh, in the face of a lot of changing political climates. And, and it's really important to have that DNA so that you know what the most important things are. And, you know, it's just really, uh, if you can do that, you can keep, uh, keep your eye on the prize. I think uh, something that a lot of organizations overlook, even in the face of that, people are going to look at your message. You do the best you can to be clear about who you are, but people are going to make decisions on your brand and they may interpret what you're doing completely differently. <laughs> and, you know, people will brand you if you don't, if you don't brand yourself, people will brand you. And, uh, you know, it's inevitable. 
let people form their own uh, opinions. You know, one of the things I was also thinking about as we've been unpacking this is, is, is putting a message out there and being consistent and, and uh, being true to yourself. And I was curious as to some of the, the, the things that you guys put in place as you built the strategy that were not there before to make sure that the messaging is clear across all of the platforms you deliver, clear and consistent. Well, and, and Clark has seen the strategy. He wasn't there that day. He had a, he had a poor excuse. I think he was in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to go six thousand miles away to avoid a meeting. Yeah, so your your point is your point is as usual right on target, Russ. Um, um, we don't know who we are, so it's not really important. It's we can't communicate who we are because we haven't really drilled down our values, and we started working on guiding principles. Uh, Clark, how do we make good decisions in this container? We also drill down on why we exist. And we, we think sometimes the arts are expendable. It's a leisure activity. But really, if you, if you look at the community, when somebody wants to move into a community for a corporate job or a teaching job, they ask about the arts. Is there a symphony? You know, are there these arts groups? And so there, it's, a, it's a backbone of the community in many ways, so it's an essential part of a healthy life. So, Clark, um, from what you've read that we've developed so far, we're, it's in the process of getting tweaked the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But which, you want to respond to some of what Russ was talking about, and you know, what are, your, what are your, your ideas about taking what we've created so far and then helping us with that, but then taking it forward and communicating externally? And I think communicating internally yeah exactly we need to remember who we are internally yeah so uh, like employee communication or organizational communication there's different entities of that sometimes it is employees sometimes it's uh volunteers and, and there's different again different relationships between people that are involved inside um one of the things that's really important is to make sure that everybody inside as you're saying understands what the message is I think one of the things that we will be developing, and uh, actually I do this on vacation, so don't tell my wife that I actually did thinking. She says, you're not supposed to think when you're on vacation, right? You did a whole of this so, broadcast. Didn't you? <laughs> no, yeah, it's our secret. So, so I, yeah, just uh, don't anybody tell my wife that I, I actually thought. Um, yeah, it's, it's good because, you know, when I'm home, I'm doing stuff and kind of the day-to-day uh, work. And when I'm on vacation, I actually can clear my mind and think a little bit. But one of the things that I, that I actually wrote down and I keep, I keep notes on my smartphone. Um, I actually moved from taking notes on paper to, you know, jotting notes. <laughs> that way it doesn't, doesn't get lost. I hope. Mm-hmm. Um, it, one of the things I said is what is the message? We've got to have a central message. And I think that's going to come out of that. The, the thing about strategic planning and a strategic communication plan with that and a marketing plan, all the things that go with it, they don't happen instantly because, uh, and, and the other thing too is they can't happen too fast. I mean, some of the things we do with communication, I need to think about, we're going to do it next week. But uh, a lot of times, uh, maybe we get in a hurry and I think we want to be intentional we want to know where we're headed and why. And then as we, as, as we work over the next 
year is that it evolves into something. This is exactly what it is. And uh, so I think having a central communication is really, it was top of my list. Having central communication, what are we trying to say? Who are we trying to reach? What is the core message that we have? Who are our constituents that we want to reach and their characteristics? Now we can mold that communication plan uh, around who those people are. In one of my, one of my um, principles I teach organizations I work with is at the end of a meeting, you have two, I use storyboards. I have two storyboards up. One of them is an action plan. What are the tangible actions that we're going to do? Who's the champion and when are they going to do it? So we tend to talk about all these great things, but we never assign it to a person and we never assign a, a date due with that. So that really makes sure that it gets traction. The other board is a communication board. Okay, we've come up with, and we've come together. We spent 90 minutes or whatever. We've done some important work. Don't you think somebody needs to know something? So it's, <laughs> it's a specific message. And we take that for granted. We just think it's going to go to the world. So right. when we start thinking about what are the specific messages, um, who needs to know, and who's going to tell them, it's a whole different ball game. And it's, it's amazing to me how many people don't think they need to do that. Right. Yeah. I had one project I was working with with a law firm and they had dismissed a partner. And I said, let's do this communication board. And I said, now everybody's going to know. I said, humor, <laughs> humor me, humor me. Mm -hmm. Well, they hadn't told his secretary. Yeah. They hadn't told the bar association. They hadn't told the magazine subscriptions and all those periodicals. So they started drilling down. There was a whole lot of people that needed to know something. And, and then we had to assign somebody to do that. So we really don't think about communication as a process, yeah. as a connection, do we? No, that's, that's exactly right. And I think companies that do well, and I, I haven't worked for a lot of companies, but I have worked for a number over the years. And um, so I, I remember, I'll, I'll give you an example of, um, I guess, the positive side of what you were just uh, talking about. I worked for a, a big hospital uh, on the West Coast many years ago. And I was working, I worked in their PR department and uh, they were, they were very good about informing employees. They wanted to make sure that everybody knew all the time what was going on. Here's an example. They would do um, every, and I got to, I got to think it's been so many years ago, uh, but they would do a, every quarter they would do, uh, it was like 11 by 17 and then another panel of that with just pictures and captions that they would give out to the department so that everybody could see what everybody was doing. And everybody loves pictures anyway. And uh, of course this is all pre digital. So everything had to be in print. And then along with the paychecks is um, once a month, there was a stuffer. It was just an eight and a half by 11, two sided. And it was little snippets of information going on in other places of the, uh, the facility. I mean, it was a big place. Everybody, and I always felt like I was well-informed. They would do some capital development things. You were well-informed on that. Every year they did an annual report on video. I helped with, with some of the videos while I was there. And then they would have it in small group settings. They'd show the videos. And then there would be an administrator who would do a Q&A. And so they had different levels and layers of information that people constantly felt that they were being communicated with. I think what made uh, we, the department I worked in produced some amazing stuff. And I think it's because we had the freedom to do it, the support to do it. And we just felt like we, we all, we were all a part of an organization, even though it was huge because they did such a good job communicating companies today that we see that are really successful. 
They're the ones that do interesting things with employees. Some of the high-tech companies that have been on the news over the past 10 years, really sometimes a little off the wall, but people feel comfortable. They know each other. It's when those things don't happen where I think organizations can get in trouble. And you've got to start with the employees or your volunteers or whatever you're working with. Absolutely. And that's part of the, the culture creation. Um, yep, it is. Um, so I'm going to give you back some stuff just in case you're grading. My professor is grading my understanding that integrated marketing and communication. That's, that's the umbrella for all of this, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's for everything. It actually includes everything that years ago would have been separate. So it has marketing communication. It has advertising. It has public relations. Anything that are really communication functions. So because it has the word marketing in it, again, it doesn't necessarily mean it's traditional business marketing, although it could include that. So somebody goes out and buys a car, you want to make sure they're happy. You want them to come back and buy another car in you know, two years or tell their friends. So everything is really connected. And, and so now we're not dealing with like traditional print and broadcast media like we were doing or direct mail, although we still might do those things. But the world's changing. So we have 24-7 through social media and websites and anything that's digital. Uh, really have to do different things. That, and that's what's tying it together, I think, is digital has really brought all those different fields together. It really has. But, but we see people do things poorly. So speak to that side of it a minute. The, the biggest mistakes make, people make in their communications, their integrated marketing and communications, that the PR, the marketing include social media. What's the biggest, okay. biggest negative that you see out there? I, I think one of the things, and you and I have talked about it, uh, and um, I think I may have actually included it in the, uh, the article I wrote for your uh, magazine, is that one of the things is assuming that just because you put it out there, people are going to see it. And so one of the, one of the issues that, um, that organizations need to do is they need to find ways of driving people to the social media. I mean, you can have some really creative, nice things and maybe people will share it a little bit, but if they don't know it's there, it's like having a great website and nobody knows you're in existence. Sometimes it takes different ways of doing it. Sometimes that's traditional media uh, and it's using different ways. So in advertising, um, well, like in uh, uh, radio and television, okay? So we, we, we would call it cross-promoting. So a local TV station runs an ad in the newspaper, or they may run an ad uh, or a preview thing on a radio station that's maybe listened to. And, you know, so that's changed a bit because of digital. But basically, it's finding different ways to communicate with your constituents so they know you're there. So that's one of, I think, one of the biggest problems is, I know we're going to, first, first solution is, I know we're going to do a social media site. Great. How are people going to find out about it? Hmm, hadn't thought about that. And so that's, that's part of the problem is trying to get people to do it. And then you've got to be consistent about posting. That's the thing about social media. So you can't, oh, I post today and I'll post whenever people forget about you. It has to be constant. So if you're going to make a commitment to social media, it's really a big job uh, to do that. Anything digital like websites. Oh, I did my website. When did you uh, last update it? Mm, two years ago. Okay. That's not going to work. So if you're committing to digital communication, that's part of the, that's one of the biggest problems is realizing now you've really committed yourself to a lot of time and energy to come up with things that things that are fresh and interesting um, for your, uh, for your followers. We want to track our success and 
saying how many followers we have. That's like how many hits do we have on our website? <laughs> right. Phrase I borrowed, borrowed from Tom. Yes. And he said, hits is an acronym. It's how idiots tra track success. You don't want hits. You want conversions. You want people to do something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What are people doing with that? Yeah. So, yeah. so we want people, we want people to enjoy the symphony. We want them to enrich their lives and they do that by attending concerts, but there's other ways and we're expanding our volunteer pool. I say our, I'm not part of the board, but I, I, I can declare here publicly I'm, I'm inside cause I've been invited to be a guest conductor this year. And so um, Russell, I don't know if I shared that with you, but I get to do the Christmas gig and the newly renovated Academy theater, which was a vaudeville yeah. theater in the old days. And here's an interesting fact. It'll be the first time in history that we know that the theater will be, have been integrated. It was, <laughs> it hasn't played to an audience since the time it was segregated. So we had the first concert in there uh, during that opening week. So it's a, it's a multiple pleasure. So on all of this stuff we've un unearthed, you got some reflections and a, another one of those good questions you have for Clark before we go to our closing segment here. Well, you know, this is all, all exciting stuff and as a symphony uh, you know the opportunity there is to is to bring the next generation into music because this is something that's being taken out of the education system through funding or other things so i commend the symphony for doing that uh donating instruments keeping people interested bringing them into the fold uh, to keep that next generation, uh, to keep adding fuel to the fire, as it were, because there's a lot there. And uh, it's important, I feel, to get people the tools they need once you put this strategy together so that everybody's singing off the same sheet of music. I mean, if the symphony can't appreciate singing off the same sheet of music, you can. And uh, so that everybody has the same things to work with. But, you know, for the different type of media, they all have to work together. Different audiences are in different places. So your younger people may be on various social media platforms. And it's really kind of getting an understanding of uh, which mediums are going to work best. You know, Instagram is starting to explode. That's why mm -hmm. Facebook acquired it. So yeah. just to have people see different pieces of music and uh, and those types of things will, will, will probably pique their interest and in teach them things about classical music. And uh, here in Denver, we've got the uh, Denver Performing Arts uh, Center, and we've got the Colorado Symphony down amongst all of our theaters where plays are conducted. So uh, that sort of integration and, and partnership among different, uh, different people. The Opera House is down there. Uh, really helps. So that collaboration and cooperation is really good. Uh, it's a good thing as well. So, but yeah, it's a, it's a constant thing to, to create the type of communication that's going to get the message out to other people. So that's really, really important. And traditional media is not there. There are a lot of things with broadcast, with radio, uh, everything's kind of working together. So it's really figuring out where the people you want to reach are and uh, and getting to them. And so, uh, and I know you're kind of early in the process, but what are some of the tools that you guys have created up to this point that your your staff can use to, to uh, get the message out about the symphony? 
some of the uh, we're, we're using we're trying to use both uh, traditional and uh, and digital. Uh, some types of media, uh, especially for a small market uh, and small organizations, a little harder uh, television and radio just because of the cost. Yeah. But we do, we are increasing our media relations and we've had some, uh, some really good response from local media um, of uh, helping to uh, talk about things that we're doing. Uh, it's, it's finding, finding interesting things that maybe they don't know that much about. And, uh, and I guess part of that, like you're talking about is uh, traditional media is not dead. It's just organizations have to inform and educate the media. They're, they're one of your publics. And so letting them know, here's what's coming up. Uh, one of the things that, that we just implemented on the website uh, probably a month and a half ago is I added a newsroom. So the newsroom will have, uh, right now we just have a few things up there, but it has, uh, it will have articles from the newsletter that will be posted up throughout the month. We'll take our major articles. Uh, it will have all of our press releases and so what we want to do is create from a media relations side um, the idea that media can go there and they'll see what's happening and connect up with it. And we're trying to use, uh, we're, we're getting more back into Twitter, media follow, use Twitter a lot for media source and news sourcing. So we're trying to build those types of things so we can be a resource for the uh, local print broadcast media. The, um, this ICM integrated um, marketing and communications that you're uh, educating us on today. Yes. Um, how, how, um, how will you communicate the importance of what we're doing to the board, for instance? Uh, I think organization, um, I like to, I like to do big picture. I mean, I can do the little things and I really enjoy that. I've, I've had a great time. Um, this little, thing with the tuba is going to come out here this week and I hope you like it. So <laughs> I think it's a great I, idea. And before we stop, I want you to talk a little more about that. That's just a brilliant idea, but oh, gee, I'm afraid that uh, it'll be up on, uh, hopefully up on uh, Facebook here in the next day. Um, uh, so what, what I like to do is I like to look at the big picture. That's why you and I talk frequently or at least communicate about like direction. I mean, that's really important. So I have to get a sense of where we're headed and what the organization wants to do. Um, I won't go into an organization and say, hey, these are all my ideas. That's not how things work, especially today. Things have changed a lot. So you have a lot of collaboration between organizations and companies and their like agencies or whatever it is, their consulting firms. Uh, because really it's about the organization. I'm what I'm trying to do is I'm serving you with my background and things that I think are gonna work better. So, uh, what I try to do is look at big picture. What are the things that we absolutely need to do? And we know we have this year coming up five concerts, I believe we're doing five concerts over the year. And so I look at that and I say, all right, there are certain things that need to be done. We'll always do media relations. We always do direct mail. We do social media in relationship to that. In between that is other little things that we're going to be doing. Uh, like we talked about the instrument donation things. Um, I'd like to see us do more uh, relationship with uh, other local nonprofits and organizations. And we're uh, uh, kind of looking at one aspect of, of that. Uh, had some conversations with an organization has actually a lot of social media followers and it's a great organization. 
So I think those types of things, and um, I think you and I actually talked about like sharing resources and doing things when uh, we visited a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I think that really helps everybody, especially in a small area, a small market. Um, it's just, it really makes for a unified community. And I think, you know, we're all, we're all essentially, even though we're doing different types of things, we're all here to service this town and to find the best ways we can of making this place better. I think that's, that's really what we're all about. And sometimes you can uh, partner up with people and do those things, or at least do things maybe cooperative ways, maybe not uh, official partnerships, but do things that really help each other to help the community. Absolutely. That's, that's what um, we're, we're a social benefit organization, right? Nonprofit, which is really a dumb word. Yeah. Talk about the tuba just a minute before I do the. the, the <laughs> All right. Okay. So um, I I like to periodically come up with some really wild ideas, and uh, so I got a tuba. Um, I've had probably had this tuba for three years. I, I've played tuba for about thirty five years, and uh, so I've played in orchestras. Nothing official. Um, you know, there's people that are far better equipped than me. I'm just I'm not a a degree professional as it relates to that. But I do enjoy playing. I've played in community bands and things. I really enjoy it. So I got this tuba and my wife named it. And, uh, so <laughs> and I find out that she has, she's a harpist. So, uh, she's, my wife's the harpist for the, uh, Lynchburg symphony. And, um, so she has a couple of harps and she's named her harps and she finds out that every other harpist names their harps. <laughs> anyway, so she named my tuba. So I said, you know, let's have some fun for social media because we want to increase engagement and people connected. And, and, uh, and we found out over the last year, we put up videos. People love to watch videos. Most of them are storytelling type videos. We'll even put a promo up. Like I put, I made a little video to promote the newsletter. It's brand new. It's coming out this week. And I did a promo of like 400 people that have watched the promo video. So that's good. We had 300 and something It's close to 400 now. So I thought, oh, wonderful. So uh, people love videos. It's just, I mean, you read all the data on this stuff and people love to watch videos, even things that don't really have a message more than come and look at this. So we personified my tuba. And uh, so he has his own episodes. His name is Merlin. And uh, so we're going to do this month is each week, because it takes so long to produce these things. They're like a minute and a half, but it took us, it took me like four days to produce these segments. Wow. And uh, we we shot stuff, and it takes about an hour and a half to to do these things. And I have a very good friend who's uh, uh, I was going to say old radio guy. He's not old, he's not as old as I am, but he's been in radio a long time. He teaches that area. And so I said, uh, "Would you do a voice for me?" So he did the voice of Merlin. It sounds great. And um, so we're going to do this month is each week we have we have something that acquaints people that follow us with who Merlin is. Next month, what we do is we're going to take a, we're going to, I'm going to take Merlin to different places in the area and shoot a picture of him in a setting. And we're going to ask people that, where do you think Merlin is today? <laughs> and we, we, can do, we can do these things three or four times a week. And uh, we're actually going to start engagement uh, next week. Uh, one of the things Merlin likes to do is listen to music. And he has anything that has to do with tubas, right? So one of the things we're going to do next week is we're going to ask people, uh, okay, Merlin needs some new stuff for his MP3 player. What songs would you recommend that Merlin would listen to? And I don't know what kind of response we'll get. I hope we're going to get some people that will respond to these things. So I'm doing something that's a little different. Hopefully it's fun. I think we could cross the line where this is goofy, but 
but I think it's produced pretty well. And it's, it's really kind of an interesting thing. It even has a disclaimer at the end of it. It'll be real. real and it's fun. intergenerational and it's, um, it's one that yeah, yeah. would involve the board too. Yeah. And, and so we're trying to do is uh, we're trying to branch out and we're going to have asked the board to communicate it when it's posted up to invite friends to listen, invite other people to do these things. So it's, it's not just a one-off where we just post it. It is tell your friends about Merlin. He's coming back next week for another uh, webisode. And, uh, and so he'll make, he's not going to be on all the time. It just takes too long to shoot these sequences uh, and edit them. But uh, he'll show up probably around Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas and, you know, holidays and whatever else, just, you know, to make an appearance. You heard about so, uh, We're going to do some fun. You heard about Merlin right here, folks. You'll <laughs> see him. Merlin, the, the tuba. That's interesting. We got two minutes left. I'm going to uh, give a commercial uh, for words print here. And then Clark, you get the last word. What is some thought you want to leave people with about how to be effective in their, ICM, integrated uh, marketing, IMC, right. Yeah, I'm, <clears throat> sorry. Um, WordSprint is our sponsor. Let's just do these things. WordSprint prints um, nonprofit performance 360 magazine. Todd um, uh, Clark Greer, Laurent Greer, Clark <laughs> has an article. In this I should change my name. Yes. Well, I might Todd, have to now. Todd is the editor. Yeah, Dr. Greer, that Dr. Greer, this Dr. Greer wrote a brilliant article on this stuff in the uh, volume five, number one, that's that's being printed as we're speaking. And so WordSprint helps us with that top of mind marketing that you were talking about. We put a print piece in people's hands. So our donors stay our donors, our tribe stays our tribe, and we're always in touch. They get emails, but they get something in their hands. So wordsprint.com, go and check them out and ask for a free consultation. And we're going to meet with uh, Bill Gilmer tomorrow. Um, uh, Clark. So what do you want to leave people with a thought or a challenge or uh, a, some perspective? Sure. Uh, I think one of the thing is, and we <clears throat> actually started that boy, my voice is giving out. This happens in the summer. When I don't talk. I go all, I go like four months without talking. I can't do it. Uh, I think is, is knowing who your target audience is. And when I say target, usually you pick about a 10 year range It gets you in the ballpark. You need to know who your people are, how they think, what they think of your organization, and then give them things that help them. Don't just promote yourself, although that's part of it, but uh, do things that help them, help the community. And um, I think that really is understanding what's in the minds of your constituents. That's the best place to start. Well, um, Dr. Clark Greer, wonderful tidbits, wonderful, useful information. Uh, Russell, thank you for your faithful attendance and really helpful perspectives and good questions. Thank you. Thanks well, for inviting me. It's a pleasure, and it's about creating an experience for everybody that's involved with you, and that's what Clark is, is doing with the symphony. And so that's the thing to remember in this marketing. We're creating an experience for all the people we serve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Clark. Great. Thanks, sir. Thanks for having me. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>